Hi, I'm Ruri and welcome to Undamaged Goods, a podcast created to give inner city young people, especially those out of mainstream school, a platform to voice their opinions and tell their stories. I worked in social services for several years and I'm now a brand consultant working within the film, music and arts industries. It's time to bring my two worlds together. Through the voice of the young people and my special guests, I hope to support in educating the general public and put right the systemic wrong that's been created over the years around certain communities and the youth of today. For this series, I'm in an alternative provision in London, the Hackney Boxing Academy. Welcome back to Undamaged Goods. Today, we're mixing things up a, a bit for our final one, and we've got two very, very, very special guests on, two members of staff from the Boxing Academy. So first of all, we have Constantine, who is head of boxing and behaviour. Hey, I know I'm definitely damaged goods, but let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Now undamaged. And Kareem, who's one of the pod leaders at the Boxing Academy. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, how you doing? Who actually has been supporting throughout this whole thing, so thank you so much. My pleasure, man. No problem. Keeping them all in place and keeping (laughs) them all on time. (laughs) So yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, You know, myself and Abby, podcast producer, we thought it would actually just be really nice to talk to you two because what you do here is like no other kind of AP that I've experienced or seen um, or even education setting. And it's amazing stuff that you do and it's just quite nice to hear your stories of how you got here like working at the Boxing Academy, but also a little discussion um, around what is happening here and what you guys do differently, um, and maybe people could learn from it. So, um, Constantine, could you tell us a bit more about your role and what that entails? Okay, so I'm the head of boxing and behaviour, sort of says it. So the behaviour aspect is just keeping young people engaged in lessons. Um, just you know, that was that's the pod leader's role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm overseeing the pod leaders, making sure that they're actually engaging with the young people, building relationships, um, and you know that the young people's time here are you know really sort of value valuable in their experience and development. Um, that's just you know not just academics just through life lessons learning through experience and just you know building a culture where the young people can be you know open um they can relate you know we can be relatable to the young people and just yeah it's just as you say it's it's one one in a million is this happens nowhere else uh, we do listen to them and yeah this the induction processes when the young people come in it's just clear and open um, so there's no sort of, oh, you didn't tell me that. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, completely open to, you know, from when, when they walk into the building in the morning, you greet them, they have their searches, their phones get taken away from them. Um, they have their breakfast, you know, you talk to them about nutrition. It's just that conversation about how yesterday went, just to sort of get a building, like a build up of, you know, where they were yesterday, where they're at, how did they wake up, you know. And just life in general, so we can actually support them through uh, the day-to-day. Um, and the boxing side is obviously, 
you know, bringing that boxing academy gym family feel into a school mm-hmm. and just, you know, giving them high quality boxing. Um, even though they don't want to be boxers, they get the discipline uh, and just, yeah, just the release, help with mental health. You know, the list goes on of, you know, all the benefits. And obviously it's not just about violence. Um, they don't do contact thing unless they want to. It's all non-contact. Um, and yeah, it's just a great way of just releasing energy and, you know, just, I don't know, just imagining, you know, all their enemies and just taking out the aggression on in a safe space. You're a boxer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Semi-pro? Professional, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Professional, two fights. Amazing. Uh, one one knockout. So for you, what's boxing done for you? Well, in a nutshell, like in, in a nutshell, I think boxing saved my life. Um, and that's not an overstatement. Um, I mean, growing up, I never had any, you know, idea of, about boxing. Never even pretty much heard about it in a sense. It literally just did. I never even really paid any attention to mm-hmm. it. Um, I got myself in some trouble. Uh, we could go into more details later on. I got, I got myself in some trouble, found a leaflet and I thought, okay, well, I need to learn some self-defense and found a boxing gym it was all it's more like a hall it wasn't even a gym it was mm-hmm. a hall with a few bags set up in it and I just started hitting the bags wildly and it sort of felt good people came over to me I was like oh you, you you're, you're quite good you can take it somewhere I was I didn't really listen to them I just wanted to hit because I know I could you know do a lot of street fighting and stuff so I just was punching heavy um and then it sort of just like my I got into the ring with my coach and he was just like, it's a little guy. And I thought, I'm going to knock you out. Like, who, who are you? I've knocked out bigger guys on the streets. So yeah. I got in there and I gave him every punch I could find. Uh, you know, every single, like, hardest, heaviest, fastest punches. And then he literally just hit me once in the stomach. And I went, like, my knees just crumbled. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, my whole body <laughs> shut down. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp like I was gasping for, for air I was like what is this I, I was like yeah I need to learn that yeah. and then I dedicated myself he's like no you need to come you need to learn you need to train you need to be disciplined and I was like okay from that moment I thought wow like it completely rebuilt me and, and sort of like just yeah tore down all the barriers that I faced and just thought I need to learn this like because I need to be the baddest guy out there and I thought this was gonna make me but actually boxing just made me so so calm, so disciplined, knowing what I can do and just like not getting into half as much trouble as yeah. I used to because I knew I had like my hands were weapons and I knew that, you know, I believed in myself and I believed yeah. that I could actually, if I hit you, you could get hurt. So I, I'm just going to like be confident in myself and just go down the self-defense route sort of thing. Yeah. It's kind of similar to what Ed was saying. Yeah. yeah. About martial arts actually being something that makes you quite spiritual. Yeah. After a yeah. while, of course, it's yeah. the opposite yeah. to the aggression yeah. because you learn how to manage it. Um, if anything, it takes away all your energy to even think about <laughs> anything, doing anything else. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You just want to go home and sleep. You know, anyone's looking at you like, listen, I'm going to my bed. I don't have time for you, man. Just you do your thing. I'm just gonna go past you yeah, and go home. True. I'm too tired. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's good. In that sense. Amazing. Okay. And Kareem, do you want to kind of elaborate on the pod leader role? I think it's come up a few times over the past few episodes, so yeah. people might not have actually known what we're talking about, but um, hopefully they got the gist. Yeah. Well, as as Jermaine said, it's like us just being like professional big brothers, you know, and 
it's just kind of we kind of create a space where they can come to and forget about everything that's going on outside you know but at the same time it's like we still have to have boundaries because a lot of these kids love to push boundaries you know because some of them never been raised with any it's just been kind of free throw do what you want but at the same time when you get ones that maybe have do have boundaries and you know they raise more discipline sometimes when they're influenced by other students around it can you know create something bigger than what you can handle if you don't nip a bud in it straight away so it's like the pod leader role is ah, it's there's so many different aspects to it I personally feel because it's like you come across so many different type of mm-hmm. students like not one thing works for one student you may get students that need that one-to-one conversation yeah you may get students that can be spoken to in front of the whole class and they just get on with it you may yeah. have students that need to be shown an example of how to do something because it just takes time so you know I it it's hard to, for me personally, it's hard to describe it as in in a sentence, but professional big brother. Yeah, like, I guess you know. it's not one thing. Yeah. Um, it's not one thing. Mm-hmm. And I was a learning mentor years ago. It's not one thing, um, which is kind of a similar role. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to tailor it to your client. Well, you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're you tailoring to, it yeah, to each to individual yeah. student. Yeah. And it's because... Not one person's the same. Tell you. So you need to be able to adapt. You need mm-hmm. to be able to speak to each individual as you would to your friend, as you would to anyone that you have respect for, mm-hmm. and be able to have a conversation yeah. and support them in you know whatever way they need to be supported in. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's different every time. So I mean, I take my hat off to all of you. But it's still, I, it personally, me like I've always said to myself, if I, if I do work. It's going to be something that I enjoy doing and I yeah. feel like I get something. It's always more than money. Well, for me, personally, it's always more than money, you know. So, like, seeing these kids that grow in the same environments as you did and, you know, you're able to give them the help where maybe I didn't get to have that help, mm-hmm. you know. It's just a different kind of, like, you're satisfied in a different way, you know. Can you relate to these young, Like, in terms of what they've gone through? Yeah. What was your kind of your story around education and experience well it was like i would say when my dad left the country to go to that he obviously moved to america to do music i had a lot of freedom you know my mum was more laid back she would still be on my case but i could get away with a lot more than being even even if she called my dad and had my dad on the phone it would be like i wouldn't even answer back in a certain way yeah so as soon as my dad left which is around about the time i went into year seven I think it was year seven I was going into so from primary school into that secondary school transition he kind of left to go America so year seven year eight I was I weren't too bad like I was you know you're just kind of fitting in with everyone and trying to see you know who what kind of friendship groups you're going to take to but then I feel like when I found who I was it was that's where it kind of just went left Mm -hmm. and it became a thing where at the time I never knew it was because I'm not going to solely blame it on my dad but it was not having him present and not having that male role model to look to, or even just have a conversation. It's like when you talk to someone on the phone, it's a lot different than having them actually there or going home to him. So I started to kind of use that as an excuse to be angry all the time. No teachers couldn't talk to me. Like anytime you're not my mum or my dad, I'm not trying to hear it. And mm-hmm. it's a thing where they could call my mum, but because I was the only boy in the house, she was very, it got to a point where, she wouldn't come into schools and argue against teachers, but she would agree with them, but she wouldn't be hard on me when I would go home because she kind of understood what I was going through yeah. to a certain extent. 
But I would say towards the end of that, like I went to um, Highbury Grove and they had they had this thing called the Extended Day Program. Like it's a centre called Impact Centre, but there's Impact Centre which you will go to on a normal school day basis, and there's Extended Day, which you you start school at two, you finish at six o'clock. Okay. So it's only four hours, but when you're in year seven, yeah, like when you're, you're we're just in secondary school, you don't really want to be leaving your house at two o'clock to come to school and finish at six o'clock. Yeah, and everyone's you know? finishing in and an hour. Exactly. So, <laughs> like, but they put me on that program for the whole of my year nine. Why did they put you on the program for year nine? They wanted me out of the school, but they didn't have a a, a good enough reason to push me to go out. It was just silly behavior and answering back. I wasn't. They tried to push it towards bullying sometimes, but I wasn't really a bully like that. It was so I felt like by them putting me on that program, it was either make or break in a way. Mm. And I was tired of not seeing my friends. I was tired of going back into mainstream and being behind, having to start again, bottom set and work my way up. Yeah. And it was just I just got sick of it to be honest with you. And I just sat down and I just had to make that decision and say to myself, you know what? Regardless of if I've got an outlet to talk to, I've got people there. I need to make a change for me. You know, and it, it didn't happen overnight. I'm not going to act like, yeah, I just, year nine was perfect and year 10 was perfect and yet, but I still had my up and, ups and downs and for sure I visited Impact Centre once I got out of there in year nine and year 10 again, but it was never as bad as before they could see the growth and how I want, what, what I wanted for myself, you know. What do you think the school could have done differently? When you, when you were at that period where you're like, you can't tell me this, you can't tell me that, you're not my yeah. parent, you're not this... What could have been done differently? Because, I mean, look, we're, we've all been kids at some stage of our lives. We've all kind of rebelled. We've all had moments where we don't want to listen to someone. We've all thrown strops. We've all done this and that. So, obviously, you're never, you know, a school's never going to get it perfectly yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, you can only try. But what could they have done in that in that position? I know in my own mind, but what from your point of view, what could they have done? Um... I would say just have the basics of just having a conversation and just seeing what was really going on. Like, obviously, not all kids are going to open up. I'm not going to act like I would have just opened up and told them everything. No. But sometimes when you see that there's someone that genuinely cares and that you can see they've got the time, and even though they don't really have to do it, they're just checking yeah. to see if you're good. I feel like over time, you will open up, you know. It, it might not be about everything in particular, but you may open up about certain things, but... A lot of the time it was just, okay, we had a room called X-Room, so if you're misbehaving in class, mm-hmm. call security, he'll come get you, take you to yeah. the X-Room. But one thing I do want to highlight is the security was like, he reminded me of what we do. So there'll be times when, because I was quite a regular in the X-Room, he would come and get me from classroom. And instead of taking me to the classroom, he would just walk with me around the building. I would go and collect other students, but he's talking to me like, fix up. And I didn't. it's not until now that I've realised it, like those little things there, and he was just a security. Yeah. That, but he probably saw myself, his self in me and just wanted to do that extra bit. And it, it made the difference, you know, but the school, it wasn't a bad school overall, but I just feel like more of the teachers, they could have just taken the time to sit down and have a conversation, you know, and talk to you and just try to have a better understanding. Cause I feel like people like, at the same time, as much as I say, have a conversation, people conversate, but sometimes it's not from a place of wanting to get where that other person's coming from yeah. just to get your point across and then they can get their point across yeah. and then you go your separate ways, you know? But Yeah, I personally, I just, I feel quite passionate about the fact that I think every, it should be compulsory that every secondary school, I mean, even primary maybe as yeah. well, should have an internal unit of 100%. some sort 
but 100%. not where you go as a punishment. This is where you go for therapeutic learning, where yeah. you go, where you can let off some sort of steam yeah. verbally, where you can have a discussion. The school I worked at in Commercial Road had this and it worked amazingly. Like the exclusion rate completely dropped mm. because instead the teachers were like, do you want to go to the unit? Yeah. And they were, and the student would be like, yeah, I do. And then we would work with them. Yeah. Someone that has the time doesn't have a whole class full of other kids to teach. Someone that has the time to talk and communicate mm-hmm. yeah. and figure out what's going on. But that's, that's what you, it's an inclusion unit, not an exclusion unit. Yeah. You include them, you talk yeah. to them, you yeah. get their yeah, point of view. And definitely. then they, you give them skills to be able to manage their emotions when the challenges come. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's sort of what we, you know, we do here as well. Exactly. But I just, yeah, I just, and that's why somewhere like here at the Boxing Academy, you guys are smashing it. You are doing it in the right way. And yes, not every day is perfect. Yeah. It's not going to be. You're working, you know, with young people that are quite volatile. They are into their teens already. Yeah. They're past the early, yeah. you know, the early stages. They are already very much embedded in certain things in their communities. Yeah, and definitely. it's hard because you're not with them 24 hours no, a day. No. <laughs> but you guys are doing an amazing job nonetheless you know and you are making those changes and we met with Jonathan and Kevin who oh my god like are incredible and the fact they've both gone off in different paths as well and even Jonathan to come back and help out with the pod leading and using him as a good example because when a lot of the students look and I'm like he you know I was his pod lead when I first started in the building he was in my pod Mm. and they're like what they're like, we never knew. You see, when you work your way up, and look, yeah. look now, he's right beside us, and we don't talk down on him. We don't like. It's like he's he 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 knows that he's earned that spot. Yeah, in a way, you know. And it's just, I feel like it's inspiring to a lot of the kids as well. They look at it and they respect it highly because they'll look on, they'll come up there and look on the wall and see him in that picture. Yeah, on the wall up there, and he'll be like, oh damn, he wasn't. He only finished about three years ago, and I just showed him like, and, and like, it's possible, you know, as much as. It may seem like, oh, they're teachers and how do I become a teacher and stuff like that. It's like, it's possible, man. You just got to put yeah. your mind to it. Massively. Um, Constantine. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> your story is um, pretty amazing and how far you've come in life yeah. and everything is, is you know, I mean, is, is the best example I think I've ever yeah. come across of you, there isn't one way you can definitely take another route and get yourself out. Yeah, I still can't believe it now, but yeah. <laughs> you just look in the mirror and be like, you're yeah, great. Just like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, who are you there? Who, who are you? Where's this guy? I didn't even live for, like, see myself living past 20. So, you know, like where I was going. I mean, so to be here now at 32, just be like, yeah, there you go. And there's still more growing to do, you know. Can you tell us a bit more about, like, your journey in education? Um, so, so, you I mean, started... Well, before... I, I grew up in Jamaica. Yeah. So, I left when I was 12 uh, to come to the UK. And it was, it was only meant to be um, just a two-week holiday. But my auntie sort of heard all the stuff that, you know, uh, was going on with my dad in, in Jamaica. And she said, that's, that's not a place for a child to be living in you know that's not an environment for a child so would I like to 
you know, stay on. So I said, well, I was in two minds because I wanted to go back to Jamaica and show off that I've been to the UK. You know, bring back a few. You know, what I'm bring back You're a few. Out yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna flex. You know, I was uh, bringing back some like nice trainers or you know nice stuff clothes and be like, look, I went to you know I went abroad. You know. Um, I, but but I also <laughs> thought, yeah, I thought, also thought, you know what, um, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Um, I might as well take it, you know. So I was just like, yeah, I want to stay. And then, you know, my auntie decided to send my paperwork off to the home office. Uh, another story with that. But yeah, the education in Jamaica, if we start with there, I think it was quite strict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, at first, I realized looking back now that I probably didn't fit in because they want you to be so pristine you know, shirt had to be tucked, socks had to be the matching colour. You know, you have to be a model student or else you're going to get... It wasn't like a detention. This was like actual beating. So your hands will be out and you'll be getting that whip, you know, that, that ruler mm-hmm. in the palm of your hand and you'll be going home with your hands swollen, your, your, your bum like literally marked up. And actually, if you're walking home and your next door neighbour sees you crying, they'll be like, what's happening? I got beaten at school. You probably get a clap in your head to say, why are you letting the teachers hit you? And then when you get home, you get beaten because <laughs> your dad says, why are you letting the next door neighbour hit you? Why are you letting the teacher hit you? <laughs> so you're getting two beatings on top of the two that you just got. So uh, it was really tough. And when I was there, I wasn't allowed to, to play sports. Sports was my thing. I wanted to, you know, I saw my friends, they were doing football and they were doing running and mm. I wanted to be involved in that. The only time I could ever play sports, which was okay, was sports day. But any extracurricular sport, I wasn't allowed to do. My dad said, you need to, because he was in the army, you see. So he wanted to be militant like that. You have to come straight home from school, sweep the front of the house, sweep the back of the house, wash the plates, wash the dishes. Yeah, I was like Cinderella like, in in that household. So I told my aunt, and actually he was bringing in like multiple different women at night, you know, and it was just like, call them like stepmom and stuff like that. So he could bed them quicker. You know, it was just like not an environment for, you know, a, a, a child to be living in so yeah I told my auntie all of this um, when I came here um, it was kind of a strange situation because while my papers was in the home office uh, my auntie didn't really understand the education system but her sister lived in Eltham at the time and I was living in Camberwell so she said okay your cousins are in school in Eltham what you need to do is stay with your auntie in Eltham and go to school with your cousin because you can be integrated you know they'll yeah. show you the ropes a bit and stuff like they're in the same year some are older some are in the same year it didn't work out like that because when I got to Eltham I was literally left on my own it was mm-hmm. like my cousins went their own way yeah. and I was just like left in a concrete jungle just like what do I do here yeah. this is like this a majority is the first this is the first school I got to you know coming from Jamaica so I was just like Eltham and I'm hearing like wow Stephen Lawrence has get, got killed out here and I'm like, it's racist. And I'm like, Jesus, like this is a majority white school. And I'm just here, black kid with an accent. Like, what do I do? Yeah. And yeah, so I got bullied quite bad at school. Um, everyone was wearing the nicest trainers. I got stuff from East Street Market. You know, that's a, it's like yeah. the equivalent to Dorset, like a market yeah, yeah. store. And it was four stripes. It wasn't yeah, even Adidas. Yeah, yeah. It was fake stuff. I didn't know any better because I'm coming from Jamaica. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this is four, this is Adidas. So I'm walking out with them being proud and yeah. they're like, ah, four stripes. I'm like, yeah, what, what's yeah, wrong? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I adore your trainers because they were something called Adora <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh man, I got bullied. I literally, so again, yeah. that sort of led me to sort of finding ways to provide and survive, which led me to stealing. Um, there was a time when 
so funny. I remember back in school, um, I, I went to the Lost and Found. We were doing PE, right? I went to the Lost and Found because I used to do sports because I got bullied so much. I used yeah. to do sports in my school, in like my jet shoes. What do you call them? School, school shoes. shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used yeah. to do sports in my school shoes. And I was sliding all over the yeah. place playing football because there was no grip on there, yeah, you know, yeah, like. Yeah. Um, and then I went to the Lost and Found. They were like, pick something. I saw some Air Maxes. Yeah. I was like, that is me. And, like, and at the time, they were like 85 pounds. Someone yeah, just yeah. like, some rich kid just left them in the yeah. Lost and Found playing football. And I was like, they fit me, everything. So I was like, cool. I played sports in them and I stole them. I took them yeah. home, washed them, shined them up. And I started wearing them yeah. like they were yeah, mine. Yeah. So I walked around the school. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you got some, finally, you got some proper trainers. And then I was walking, walking. And then this guy, um, I was walking with you know, my friends and he was like, Oi, those are my trainers. And I was like, oh, oh no. Yikes. So I just took off running and I went run around the whole school. And then like a donut, I ran right back to the same spot. And the guy was like, yeah, give me my trainers. And I was like, so luckily I had my school shoes yeah, in my bag. Yeah, yeah. I had to take my trainers off there, oh, take his trainers man. off and oh. give it to him. And it was so embarrassing. Even the girls that I fancied was just like, oh, you're a thief. So I was just like, you know what? School for me, yeah. I just like, that was a negative experience altogether. Yeah. You know, I got sort of mimicked about my accent. Um, yeah, I just, maths in general, school le- lessons in general. I didn't really get the lessons coming from Jamaica. It's a different teaching to hear, I just literally, it was lost. It was like a different language, but I just sort of got by. Were there to be any silent. adults supporting you in the setting? There was no adults in, in the school that I could actually even felt, you know, remotely like interested in yeah. having a conversation with. But there wasn't, there was no friendly faces. There was no, everyone was just busy, 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 mm. busy, busy going where they wanted to go. It's like 100 mile an hour. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, what do I do here? I had to just go to a lesson, go to there. Sometimes I got lost around the school. It was so big. I didn't know. I had to ask someone, where's this? Where's this? And I used to be late to lessons and people yeah. would be like, you're in detention or you're out. You know, you can't come to lessons. You go to the seclusion room. I'm like, but I'm new. I don't even know where. <laughs> I don't know where anything. I'm going. I'm navigating yeah. the country, much less the school building. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so in school wasn't. So I started bunking. And obviously when you start bunking school, you meet yeah. like-minded people. And that leads on to, you know, no money, you're broke, you're out, you need to eat. Mm-hmm. So you go to shops. Yeah. Woolworths at the time was the main thing, the pick, pick and, and mix. mix. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. oh, I used to, oh, man, <laughs> pick and mix pick felt and it. Mix. Like, they must have lost billions in revenue from me. Like, I used to come out there full belly of sweets oh, every day. Um, yeah, but obviously what you don't get told is that once you start off little things, stealing little things, it starts escalating mm-hmm. because you think, oh, this is a rush and we start getting on to that. That wasn't fun for us anymore yeah. because we, you know, and then we went on to street robberies. Um, we started carrying knives because of protection. So it all just escalates, but no one was challenging. I mean, we were probably masters at concealing the stuff that we were doing out there. Mm-hmm. So there weren't any like changes in behavior apart from coming in late or, you know, there weren't any back chat. There weren't any aggression. There was literally just, you was left to your own devices as long as you're not bringing anything to the doorstep. Yeah. Do you understand? So mm-hmm. police don't know where you are. You, everything's fine yeah. out of sight out of mind you know so yeah, I was yeah. out there just getting myself in the most trouble and the only time I would get pulled up and talk about it is when I got caught mm-hmm. so and that was rare you know that was literally yeah. a rarity because I was so switched on and I was so because I couldn't afford to because at the time so, like going on again now back to school <laughs> back to school at the end of school I got a letter in the post saying my application for 
citizenship has been turned down. So you arrived at 12. Yeah. And then at 16, 16, they send you a letter. Yeah, saying that my application was turned down and I need to make my way, my arrangements to go back to Jamaica. And I was like, what? And this is me at 16, not being able to work, not being able to... I was looking forward to going to college, to at least doing some, you know, uh, multi-skills or construction course, which was the only thing that was available because... GCSEs uh, bunked a lot of them. I was late to a few because I had to travel Mm -hmm. like two hours for journeys. And yeah, the ones I did get into, I did get, you know, C and E and D and, you know, stuff like that. So I did manage to scrape something um, from school, which wasn't all the end of it because I had something that if I needed to do resets, I could, you know, do it. Um, Yeah, so I I was just like in limbo, just like, what, what do I do with, you know, being illegal uh, you know, so I was a bit more clued on because I know if I got caught, I'm more likely to get sent back. Yeah. Like I'm with, with English kids because if they get caught, they just stay in the country. There's nowhere to deport <laughs> yeah. them back to, you know, like so I had to be really, really clued up on the stuff that I had to do, make sure I didn't get caught, stuff like that. So you find ways of being like skillful in the art of, you know, these like stealing and being yeah. negative. Um did you guys is that something you then after school what kind of then no i would say obviously i've lived in hackney all of my life and obviously hackney is notorious notoriously known for their gangs and everything but i was able to kind of be in the mix of it but never be involved in nothing so i'm kind of all right everywhere i go i was able to have friends over there friends over there and that's because my dad always as much as him not being how I do remember when he before he did left and during the time him being over there, it's like he used to say to me like, "There's more to the world than just your area." And at yeah. first, I didn't understand what he meant, but I did. I got it, but I didn't really get it until I started traveling myself yeah. and saw certain things for myself. But yeah, just to, back to what you said, like I lived in London fields pretty much my whole life, and you know, I've got friends that have been killed, I've got friends that are still involved in it, I've got friends that ain't involved, but yeah. I just always saw that it was like, it wasn't worth my time, like I don't want to live my life and not be able to go Mare Street for my mum, or not even for my mum, just for myself, because I've got problems with them from over there, or even just going to school, like I don't want to get be leaving school and see a bunch of boys at the gate waiting for me, and all these little things like what that. What do you think's different though from you to some of your friends that are mixed up in it? What what was different there for that? To... I, I'm being honest with you. I feel like my dad living in America and traveling and actually being able to see there's more to yeah. this. Because some people don't ever make it off of their state. No. Like, literally, they don't go out of London. Not even London. Not even London. They're a state. Yeah. Like, you know, and or that's their all. Or they're borough. That's yeah. all they know, you know. So it's like where I was able to go out there and see certain things and just actually touch it and be like, wow, this is, this is real. And then. On top of that, travelling myself as well, because I worked, before I started working in schools, I worked for Arsenal doing soccer school stuff, and I mm-hmm. lived in the Middle East for six months doing coaching, so Amazing. that that was another thing that was just that reminder, like, seeing my dad, that obviously when you're younger and going on holiday is different, but where I'd actually got to the point where I'm travelling for myself now, yeah. and I'm getting paid to do this, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, yeah, it's possible, so even when I felt, don't get me wrong, there was times where I may have felt certain situations may have happened, and I felt that I should people are going to look at me weird if I don't handle it in that way or I don't go and call these what to go and do this. Me being able to have that thought in the back of my mind like, yo, you could end up in jail, you could yeah. end up dead. You don't want to, while you are in England, you don't want to have this back and forth thing because, like, you know, it just doesn't make no sense. Yeah. 
those kind of things just kept me away from it. But definitely being able to travel and, yeah, and see the see, yeah, yeah I def- yeah, I think you're right. Actually, that's a huge thing. Um, Jermaine. Yeah, well, for me, um, Constantine. Yeah, no, for me, I um, I I never had that sort of role model. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that would have probably been something that I would have really needed in, mm. in my life. So I went the complete opposite way. I literally yeah. just dove first head first into as I said from end of school um realizing that there was nothing you know out there for me like and I needed to literally like be dodging the immigration services from the age of 16 I literally had to just think what's the worst case scenario okay I got scooped up on the street and I taken back to Jamaica if that was the case I need to try and make as much money as I can so I can actually land on somewhat of a feet and that, that this was my thinking and because and because you were dodging the immigration yeah. you couldn't do anything no i couldn't either. do anything any I, I wanted to i was as i said yeah. i wanted to you know there was like oh you need national insurance and i was like oh, what the hell is that and yeah. i was like i needed to, to to go college but the courses was like okay you need like three grand if you're not eligible to take the course yeah. and i'm like where the hell am i gonna get that money from yeah um and this weird situation which was probably the turning point in, in everything I didn't even go out to do any robbery literally we were just sort of like three of us together yeah we're just sort of like all right we used to smoke a lot you know and then we used to drink and we used to just chill like what teenagers do we had three areas to go because we were going to meet some girls in the evening you know we was like all right cool so we were, my area was Camberwell my friend's area was Peckham mm-hmm. um, and my other area was sort of uh, Forest Hill Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, let's go to the furthest one first, which was sort of Forest Hill, go to my area, go to yours. So he was all going to change and, you know, but we said, all right, we're going to these dangerous areas. All right. And if they see us, three of us, they're going to think, OK, we're coming to start trouble. Yeah. So we need to have some sort of protection to be able. So we said, all right, let's just carry these knives. We were into sort of like flicky knives, the way they look yeah. and stuff like that. So we just sort of put them in our pockets and say, all right, come on, let's bring it. We had no intentions of using it, but... You, that's when you're not clued up because actually yeah. if you carry it you're, it's going to be used on you yeah. or more like do you know what I'm yeah. saying used yeah. on you or do you know what I'm saying you're someone else exactly yeah. you, you've yeah. got it so you feel braver you feel yeah. like you know you're protected you feel powerful so we put the knives in our pocket and we got off the train and then we literally just walking out the train station um, to the first change you know the first house we're going to change closing um, and this guy was just sitting there and he was just looking at us like he might have been Thinking about, he might have been concentrating really hard, but he just looking our direction like he was just screw facing us. Yeah. So he walked over to him and was like, mate, don't you see it's three of us, yeah. one of you. So then, yeah, I mean, one thing that we, we sort of like just started, you know, saying what you got, it turned into sort of a right. It's like it started from what you're looking at to then what phone have you got, yeah. you know, and then it just started escalating into a fight. So I started, I, me at the time. I felt that I had to prove something to my friends. Mm. Like, I, you know, I'm a yardie, you know, I'm Jamaican. So, yeah, I must have seen a lot of things, which I did back in Jamaica. There was a lot of crime, a lot of, you know, yeah. stabbing, a lot of things, which didn't help my development and mental health as, a, you know, growing yeah, up, yeah, which, yeah. you know, you look back on and, and stuff like that. So I thought, all right, this was the way to be. I need to show myself out to be the person everyone thinks I am. So I started hitting the guy, you know, and then one thing led to another he didn't give anything, so I pulled the knife out, showed him, I said, give me your stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the neighbours started screaming, saying, oh, God, what are you doing? You know, started making a lot of noise. And so then we started saying, you know what, right, leave it at that. 
put the knife away and we went to my friend's house and then yeah we saw us just like he changed his clothes we literally never thought anything of it that was a big deal that something happened thinking back on it now yeah. that's like life changing for some people you know it's just like it was just an everyday thing for us we didn't mm. even think twice and looking back on it now thinking how could you literally just go and have a drink and say yeah like let's get on with our life after just doing that to someone yeah. Do you understand so you kind of think back on these things and just think what what was your mindset back then it's like you know you're desensitized i think you listen to a lot of music you watch a lot of videos you yeah. know what i'm saying people doing these things and you think mm. that's why i aspire to be so then you think this is my image this is what i want to be so where did it change so i mean i got arrested um it wasn't nothing police station wasn't anything to me it was just like oh here we go again it's just the cells do some push-ups sit-ups i'll be released again in no time um went to youth court they said nope this case is too serious um we're gonna have to refer it to magistrates went to magistrates they're like nope and i'm like back then i'm like now i'm like shit like sorry for my swearing i'm like crap um magistrates (laughs) magistrates for me was like the serious one because like it was all been youth court and i've been nfa'd or you know cautioned and stuff i'm like never been past youth court you know yacht yacht services all that stuff now it's magistrates i'm like oh no this is like really serious and then they were like yeah no this is too much for magistrates you're going crown i'm like What? what and from we went when we went to crown court they said yeah, this is, we, we, you're going to have to be remanded. Um, there is no sort of leeway. I can't let you out. You're a dangerous society. There is a public because there was knives involved. There was an assault on the person. Yeah, we're not, um, we're not going to let you out. So from the police station, four days, same clothes, four days. Then we went to court next day, the next, you know, the same, like whatever, straight to um, being remanded in Feltham. And I was like, what? So I'm in this circle van and I'm like, crap, I'm on the way to print. My heart is just beating. I can't describe the feeling. My heart is just beating, 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 thinking, not knowing what to expect. It's the unknown, right? Mm. So your mind is going, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get assaulted sexually in prison. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All of these things are going yeah. through your mind. You're going to get stabbed. You're going to get How beaten old up. How you again? This was 16. This was 16. Like, yeah, going on 17. So I'm just like, okay. So as I came out, I thought, I was so when I was in there, I thought when I come out, I'm gonna change my life. I'm gonna do everything right. I'm gonna do every, you know. As soon as I came out, fresh air, and I was like, yeah, I went straight back to the same people, like the mm-hmm. same crowd, you know, different connections, and yeah, started escalating myself into that life. So yeah, this this was my so I fell straight into crime, um, you know, leaving. But school. you came out, and then you went straight into boxing. Yeah, but the reason why I found boxing was. I literally had, my solicitor said, you need to make sure that you're doing something that makes you, you know, a part of society so you're not going to reoffend. And that's how I I fell into boxing. And from then, it literally, you know, I met the person who introduced me to do this job through that that course, you know. And I was just like, from then, I dedicated myself and just kept kept working, kept training, used boxing to keep me away from those influences because I got positive attention through boxing instead of, from my friends trying to impress them. So yeah. I think that was, was the biggest difference, um, just having that family ethos in the boxing gym to sort of rely on. So Amazing. Yeah, that's that, that was my sort of thing. So now I've got my British passport, everything's sorted. It took time. It took <laughs> about... Way. Listen, I understand, <laughs> listen, I understand people are going through it now because yeah. it is yeah. pricey, yeah. you know. Like some people, if you think of someone who hasn't is on low income, hasn't that? I yeah. mean, I saved up a lot of money and I worked my way to to. It literally cost me around twenty thousand pound 
to get me my my British status yeah. altogether. So just touching on the young people that attend the Boxing Academy, have they all come through exclusions from mainstream school or...? No, I don't. I think some of them do get referred from other units if it's not working out for them over there. But we do get quite a lot from mainstream school ones that are on the verge of getting kicked out, you know, and they may look at us as a alternative provision. Well, we are AP yeah. alternative provision to come and get their GCSEs. Yeah, to come <laughs> and get their um, GCSEs done, you know. But yeah, that's. Yeah. So, could said... any young person choose to come to the boxing academy? Well, that that is the the other part. I mean, you can see it, and then you can, but you, your school refers you, or the local authority refers okay. uh, to us. Um, but yeah, we've got more and more young people saying that before it used to be looked on uh, in the past. It used to be looked on as a punishment. Oh, you're going to the boxing academy. Yeah, and kids used to come here and like for you know Jonathan's age group and all that was like, oh, you're going to the boxing academy. That will sort you out. It's a punishment. Yeah. But when kids come here, they're like, okay, you know, and that creates a culture because they go out back into their area and they said you know what i get push-ups and it's almost like a challenge they're like yeah. oh, i can i can handle that school yeah. you know and these kids they hang around with younger people older people so they hear about us and when they're in trouble at their school they refer back to the what their older or the older lot that has just left it to say that oh do you know what there's a place called the boxing academy and it sorted me out and they're like yeah yeah i want to go to the boxing academy to the teachers and they're like really you know, it's kind of like, we're older and that's a punishment mm. place. Why do you want to go there? But it's like, no, 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 it's more. Exactly. It, yeah, it's changing now. Yeah, so I think kids do request, but it's up to the sort of local local authorities, uh, the crew sometimes, yeah. to be able to refer them. Because to be honest, you know, we take young people that, you know, have they buy into what we do. It's not a punishment. Yeah. Um, they buy in. Because some, some young people, we can't meet their needs. Mm-hmm. So then we send, all right, we can't meet your needs. We, we don't exclude as well. So it's down to the referrer to say, is the Boxing Academy right for that young person? Yeah. So we give them a six-week um, trial period where we have to say, do you know what? This is fit for you. Um, they have to say, this is for me because it's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, um, and, but yeah, majority of this young people that come here, uh, they have multiple uh, behavior issues. Mm-hmm. You get gender as well, you know, different genders they, that come here. Um, and, you know, everyone will look at it and they'll be like, oh, but there's boisterous people and they'll be intolerant to different sex and different, you know, gender. But actually, no, they're, they're one of the finest kids here that come here. They're just like, yeah, I'm gay and what, you know? Yeah. And everyone's tolerant and we, we, we do preach tolerance here as well. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you get different you, educational so needs. So also, all the young people that come here, they're not... Some of them... Is it all down to behaviour that they were removed from mainstream school? Or some people come here because actually they they weren't actually doing very well in a mainstream setting and then have been referred... I think is is it more ba- I think it's more based on behavior, right? Well, some some of it is based yeah. on. Some of them is, is some of it is because they can't like you know you get the odd ones that can't you know get into the teaching side of things and they need a bit more support. Yeah. That, you know, missed a lot of school and yeah. there's a lot of gaps in knowledge. But oh, majority yeah. of the students that we have is down to that they can't but you know function in in, in the mainstream setting. Yeah. They cause a lot of disruption and not necessarily major. Some major. Some minor, yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not just like behavior, and also, yeah, you get all different types of needs: behavior, educational, um, yeah. And that's... Do you think there's such a thing as a bad and a good child, or do you think 
we are all just capable of both. Yeah, I would say I feel I feel like we're capable of both. You know, and I feel like just a touch on what we were saying about like this kind of environment we've got here. Everyone works different in different settings. So some people might may feel the pressure of being in a classroom with 30 other students and may feel the need to act out or they need to talk to someone because there's so many people around and they're just like, how, why, why can't mm-hmm. I speak, you know? But when you when you try to figure out what works for an individual and you they can come to places like this, you realise that you can do it, you know? You're doing the exact same thing you was doing in mainstream, yeah. but it's just a smaller setting. So I would say, I feel like it's they're both, but we're both, you know, we're good and bad, you know? Yeah. I just don't think you can label a young person just on their behaviour being negative. I just don't think it's a thing. And the reason there's negative behaviour is because there's something going on. There's always something else there. There's underlying, you know, issues or circumstances at home or stuff going on in the community or impact... Um, within their peer groups um, none of us even as adults we don't act out for no reason it's yeah. true yeah. and everyone's born a shell and yeah. it's then what is put into that shell Yeah. so everyone should have you know that equal opportunity from at least because we don't have equal opportunity from our mm. country and government etc yeah. but we should at least be getting it from the people that are meant to be teaching yeah. us and have chosen yeah. to be teachers mm-hmm. and chosen to be running our schools. Yep, definitely. I agree 100%. I mean, thank you so much and thank you for allowing the Hackney Boxing Academy to be on the first series of Undamaged Goods. Um, you know, I'm sure it won't be the end of the partnership. I'm sure hopefully hopefully that, we'll get to work together on stuff in the future. Definitely. But thank you so much and thank you for coming on. No, but today. thank you guys too because it definitely has provided a different experience for the kids and you know, showing them as I was saying when from the first episode when we was here, like there's you just never know what you're gonna enjoy doing. A lot of the boys yeah. was like I didn't realise that I would enjoy just having a conversation <laughs> on a mic and actually it could be a career, you know, so, but thank you guys so much. Definitely.